It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Atlanta Football Party. I'm Jarvis Davis. Coming up on today's show, it's time for Kirby to get to work. This is Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it's time for the Atlanta Football Party. Only on Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Atlanta Football Party, your home for the best Georgia Bulldogs football talk. It's local insight you can't get anywhere but here at Locked On. I'm your host, Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me are Jarvis Davis and Brian Gephardt. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. The Atlanta Football Party is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, it's going to drop to 19 degrees and feel like nine in the next four hours, but the block is still hot in Athens, so let's go right to it, and the block is still hot in the SEC. Now, Jarvis, you said your take is that Nick Saban leaves work and other coaches got to go to work. Yeah, because when you think about the rules that are in play now, when when a coach leaves their organization, and notice I refer to it as an organization because it's professional right. <laughs> <laughs> with the amount of money that's on the line for these mm-hmm. jobs. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, this professional organization that Nick Saber just left, you got to look at it and say, you know what? These coaches are going to be trying to purge that roster. They're going to be going through. Caleb DeBoer has a lot on his plate because He's going to have to do a lot of soothing and, and say, hey, man, we really like you here. Look who I'm hiring. Try yeah. to get the head yeah. coach from you. Yep. He's going to be kissing some babies. He's going to be shaking yeah. hands, kissing a lot of babies and parents, too. You yes. know, he got a lot to do. So I think that when you think about – that's just goes to show you how big the impact Nick Saban has had on, on, on the game of college football because – Everybody knows what his roster entails. Four or five star guys that are absolutely amazing. So and they they can help your team out immediately. So I just found it just so fascinating that during this time of year where the uh, the portal time has closed and but now it's open for these guys to be able, and a lot of guys got a decision a lot of decisions to make going forward because in Kirby I'm sure he has his eye on a couple of guys as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing of it is, it's so interesting, like you said, just kind of watching the movement over the last couple of days and just kind of seeing, and really the movement kind of started the minute, I shouldn't even say the last couple of days, it's now been almost a week because the, the minute we found out, you know, word got out that Nick Saban was retiring was the minute all the pundits kind of started coming and saying where the shifts were going to be. And it was going to be like a trickle down effect. Everything from, okay, if Lane Kiffin leaves Ole Miss for Alabama, who takes Lane Kiffin's spot or, you know, a a Sarkeesian leaves Texas, then who takes over that program and keeps it where he's, where Steve Sarkeesian has it or brings it up. And, you know, the list can go on and on. It's almost like JD and BG, he had a trickle down effect, but it's not even just trickle down. I mean, Brian, it's like trickle across when it comes to him because the trickle went all the way up to the West Coast where obviously eventually they got Kalen DeBoer, but it went all the way to the East Coast, up, down, and around. So, yeah, uh, quite quite an effect that he had where he's like, yeah, I'm just going to sit back and Miss Terry and me, we're just going to kick it in Florida. And uh, everybody else has been like busy trying to figure out what that next move is. 
Yeah, you're going to still feel the ripple effects of this one for for a couple of weeks. Uh, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. it's it's across across the whole country, right? I mean, think of what Alabama just did. They they got the biggest shoes to fill in college football history, and then they went and poached a guy who just coached in the national title game. Like that's insane. Just to yes. and think about from a sec for a second. And Washington is a is a football school. He built up the program really quickly. But yeah. Kalen DeBoer goes to Bama. Then, uh, you know, Washington takes Arizona's coach and Jed Fish. And then San Jose State's coach leaves for the Arizona job. So San Jose State yep. still got to, you know, <laughs> figure that out. And we're still going to, you know, see what winds up happening. Um, what I'm really fascinated to see, as Jarvis mentioned, these coaches got to get to work. I'm really curious to see the stories and different things that come out about how tied Saban still is in the next month to the program and able to keep these guys being meetings potentially with Kalen DeBoer and trying to keep as much of the coaching staff as they can keep as many of these players as they can. Cause I think he announced at a specific time in order to try to maintain this as best that he possibly could. So that's yeah. what I'm really fascinated in seeing in the coming weeks. I think that's a great point too, because Jarvis, when you look at the powerhouses, if you speak like, I mean, Georgia's the powerhouse, then there was Alabama and then it's kind of the rest of y'all, no offense, Michigan, but it's kind of the rest of y'all. And so literally that conversation is a great conversation to have. And of course, we're going to talk a little bit more about it in terms of coaches and in terms of players that Georgia could potentially benefit from with the departure of Nick Saban. But yeah, as much as some may say, Ooh, we don't like Nick Saban looming over the program. If you don't want everybody to take a, a, a left turn out of Tuscaloosa for lack of a better term or a right term, I guess from where Tuscaloosa is and make their way up to Athens you definitely have to have some consistency and that consistency is Nick Saban, that consistency or that level of comfort that he's built with those players and probably with their families and all of the important people in their lives. I mean, those have to be put into place because, okay, once again, and we say this about Kirby, right? Kirby's from the South. Kirby is a guy who understands the mindset down here. And that's a part of his recruiting success. Caleb DeBoer's got to get in that space. No different than, uh, what's his name? And forgive me, guys, I'm drawing a blank right now. But going from uh, Notre Dame to LSU, like, you can't, I mean, he tried it and it didn't work. Uh, and we decide, you know, now he had a little bit more success on the backside. But, yeah, you've got to be so very careful when it comes to recruiting because you better tread lightly when it comes to doing things in these streets in the South. Oh, yeah. Brian Kelly. Uh, Brian yeah, Kelly, yeah. Active, and yes. I didn't want to call him Chip Kelly. You know what? Chip Kelly kept talking about it. I'm like, oh. Fake accent, Chip Brian Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, fake accent, Brian Kelly. And that did not go over well back home, by the way, in, in initially. And so, yeah, Kalen DeBoer, you don't want that to happen to you. And then you see players just saying, yeah, I'm just going to hit 85, and I'm just going to make my way on up to Athens. Because, of course, that's the prime landing spot if you, you're intended to leave Tuscaloosa. And the thing, and when you think about it, this is the beauty of recruiting, right? Because when you think about all of the four-star and five-star cats that's out there, a lot of them come from the state of Georgia. And you don't, you don't think Kirby Smart has any idea who these kids are? Because he knows the guys that he lost out on. And I promise you this, regardless of what schools these guys go to, they still have the respect of Kirby Smart. They still mm-hmm. understand what he's been able to accomplish since he left Alabama as a defensive coordinator. And that's, and that's one thing that has never changed with Kirby. The dude is a hell of a recruiter. He's relentless when it's come to this thing. So 
that's why I feel like Kirby Smart is is, is working the phones, gassing up that helicopter, and he's about to be about to be really on it. And I think he his first stop might be down there at Tuscaloosa because we and that's why I think he has an advantage at this point when you talk about with Caleb DeBoer, because he's not that familiar with recruiting down south. He yeah. don't understand, hey, you might have right. to wipe your feet off the floor, like literally wipe your feet on the floor before you walk in somebody's house. Yeah, speak to the mama first because right. you know mama's the ones that make all the decisions and where, where, the, where the kid gonna so go. So true, so it's true. Just southern yeah. stuff, like that's just yeah, little you know, we know, right? Pieces that we right. know so so very well that like you said, uh Brian Kelly had to learn the hard way. And like you said, Brian, it it is advantage Kirby Smart because hey, Kirby Smart plays keeps. Yeah. And Kirby, too, the thing with him is that he's so good at not burning bridges and maintaining these relationships. He gets the game now. We're recruiting and re-recruiting the same people every yeah. single offseason. Just because they went somewhere for a year, that doesn't mean in anything. That's, that's not just today's game. I'm saying no. That's like if you're trying to ask a girl out. Maybe she says no the first time you come back around a few months later and ask her again. You know, you, you maintain, you be a friend. You see what's going on. So right, Kirby right. keeps that up and keeps after it. And uh, and he surely does with a lot of those guys at, at Alabama. So it's going to be interesting to see how many or wind up wind up coming over potentially. And not only just there, but any other place as as things have shifted and um, and as people have left for the NFL to see some of these openings. And you're absolutely right. Enter KJ Bolden because that relationship was maintained even after he said, "Hey." I'm going to go to Florida State. That's how you get a guy eventually to decommit because he's if he's looking over his shoulder a little bit thinking, hmm, maybe, possibly, and Kirby's over here like, so you're saying I have a chance? Right, right. <laughs> exactly. So you are absolutely right. That's how you, you get those guys to flip. That's how you say to Arara Thomas or Dominic Levitt, yeah, it was good where you were and you were the man, but you know you can be the man over here. And if you're the man over here, this probably – will eventually increase your draft stock. And then as we wrap up, it makes me think about a guy like Warren Brinson. When you talk about understanding the importance of recruiting being 24-7, it's now, really, they shouldn't even call it recruiting anymore, guys. They should call it like we used to in corporate America, recruitment and retention, because that's really what the name of the game is right now. So we're going to dive a little deeper into what's going on in the world of college football as Georgia dictates what's going on when we come back and go between the hedges. Now, guys, I told you just before we got into our top takes that, hey, it's cold outside. 19 degrees, they're saying it's going to feel like nine, and that's when most of us are getting sick around here, right? And that also means that pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade, according to the FDA. Now, I can't imagine a more helpless feeling that if one or more of your kids got sick or if you got sick, especially now, we've even got kids that are staying home from this weather, what if they're sick and what if there's no medication that they need because of a supply chain shortage? Don't have to worry about that anymore because there's Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others, because guess what? This stuff could happen to any of us at any time. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board certified physician 
and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacist at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than right now. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. Guys, it is now time to go between the hedges, which we absolutely love to do because that's our deep dive. And also, you know, on this show, we like to throw around nicknames, right? So we got Jarvis, a.k.a. JD, Brian, Gephardt, a.k.a. BG. And now I'm going to introduce you guys, or some of you guys probably know him already, T-Rob, Traveris Robinson. Guys, he's staying at Georgia after interviewing Sunday with Caleb DeBoer for the Crimson Tide's D.C. job. Now, of course, Robinson spent the past couple seasons under Nick Saban as the Alabama's corner coach. He took a bigger role this past season. But after Saban announced his retirement, woohoo! that meant the floodgates were open. Robinson was named Georgia's co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach just a couple days later, replacing Will Muschamp, who, of course, is going to still be with the program, but it will move into more of an off-field analyst role. And, of course, Glenn Schumann, will still be the primary play caller on defense. But Brian, when you hear something like that, you think to yourself, was that the right move for T-Rock? I think so. It's one of those things for me that for a guy with as much of credibility as he's got and uh, the recruiting chops that he's got as well, I thought there might be a chance that Bama would be able to get him back, um, you know, just in the sense of, hey, this is your defense. You have full control. There's no co. There's no – analyst will must champ kind of behind your shoulder sort of a thing this is your defense you can take it and you can run with it so yeah i mean i think he's going to do well in the sense of i think georgia will have more success in the coming years than alabama will and from that standpoint and also he's got a chance to build a, an incredible secondary next year and, and moving forward so it was an interesting move because it is lateral in a sense um right. but for that fact of he may have just said hey maybe this is my best route to get into a spot where i can be in a, in a spot to be a head coach. So I think mm-hmm. maybe he looked at it in that way and said, I'm more familiar maybe with the Kirby style who came from Saban and all of that. And this mm-hmm. is sort of more of what I, what I know versus, yeah. okay, I don't, I don't know this guy at all. I, he probably has never met or talked to Kalen DeBoer in his whole life. So there's probably a big part of you go back to Kirby and relationships, you know, he's probably been trying to poach this guy for a little while. Um, so it's a TBD, I think it is in theory, um, but I'm really excited to have him as part of the Georgia coaching staff. And for me, I think it's it makes sense. It just makes sense for me because when you think about Kaylin Labor coming in and what what he's going to have to be, the type of expectation he's going to be able to li- have to live up to, you don't know how long that cat's going to be there. Kirby Smart ain't going no dog on wear no time soon. Pun intended. <laughs> so when, when you think about, and then this guy has over 10 years of experience coaching in the SEC specifically. And, and that means that familiarity, right? That, 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 that respect that you have, the respect factor when he's going out on the road to talking to all these high school coaches, they know him, they know, they understand what he's able to bring to the table. So I, I think for him, it made sense. And, but we, and we'll see. Just from a, you know, depending on what his goals are, if he wants to be a head coach, you know, you know and because, you know, co-defense coordinator, is someone going to um, bring invite you into their their room and, and, and be in there with the boosters or with the, with the uh, chancellor, the presidents of these schools and say, hey, we want to hire you as our head coach? Well, that's, that remains to be seen. But I just think for now, it's from a stability standpoint, a familiarity standpoint, Kirby understands this landscape and he wants to be up under someone who understands it well because look at Dan Lanning. 
Dan Lanning is went from a pretty much no name guy and then became DC for 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 Georgia and became the head coach at Oregon. Yeah. And until the point, and then Alabama was his first choice. Alabama that was Alabama's first choice, you know, when Nick Saban retired. So if you just look at from the trajectory of being up under a guy like Kirby Smart, I mean, I think it just, it just makes too much sense, B. Yeah, and for yeah. me too, the other person, the other name real quick, if I could just jump in, Sinitra, is Coach Brown, who just went to Syracuse. Maybe you look at something like that. Yeah. I mean, and he got the bag there too. And he mentioned yeah. it in his presser how he got the bag there. So he might say, yeah. okay, I could go here and I could be a head coach in a year or two. And not that he wouldn't have been able to do that still at Alabama because I think he would have had that opportunity, but maybe he just thinks, okay, I'm going to get a better job and a better opportunity a couple years down the road going to Georgia. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things, too, where you got to kind of hedge your bets. And you guys are kind of speaking my language, and I'm thinking about, although he's much maligned, but another one who got the bag, Mel Tucker. And so you kind of look at those situations. Right. That's why I said no pun intended. And that's why I said I know that he's much maligned. But the bag is the bag is the bag. Dude got paid and dude got a very high profile job, albeit, you know, not maybe the cream of the crop um, in Big Ten play. But ultimately speaking, a, a university, a program that could that he had all the tools and resources to be able to bring them back to prominence. Right. And I think to you guys point. If I'm Traveris Robinson, I see about a two-year trajectory on something like that with Kirby Smart because I'm looking at Kirby going, okay, let's keep it real. If Kirby would have gotten the Georgia into that college football playoff, even after that loss in the SEC title game, they probably would have won. That's what all the pundits say. Why do we say that? Because now you're looking at them being back in the number one spot in early returns from Vegas and beyond. So you go to that program. And what if you do bring, and we'll talk about it in a second, what if you do bring a guy like Caleb Downs with you or any other players that you were in the process of recruiting for Alabama because you're known as a recruiter extraordinaire in your own right? Then you spend two years at that school, and even if only one of those years gets you a natty, you're set. I mean, you're absolutely set, whereas the likelihood of Alabama getting a national title in the next two to three years are much slimmer and it looks less impressive on your resume because it's not the Nick Saban Alabama team that you're the DC for. You know what I mean? It's the Kalen DeBoer team, but this, I think this is a great move as well and a win. And then you think about, like I said, Jarvis, you got guys like Caleb Downs mm-hmm. who's now really mulling what to do. Of course he was very integral to Alabama landing Caleb. And now there's conversation about him bolting. There's everybody's kind of like any minute now. I know we're, we're glued to our phones as well, looking to see if there's any update that's coming through while we are on the show to see, is he going to stay or is he going to go? So I feel like Jarvis, that's another positive in Traveris Robinson's favor in Kirby Smart's favor and potentially in Caleb Dan's favor. Yeah, when you think about the type of player that Caleb Downs is, oh yeah, like freshman SEC freshman of the year, he led the team in tackles. Like the clo- the person behind him in tackles was like forty tackles away. So this dude was clear and cut the best player on this defense last year, and he was a true freshman. So, true freshman, yeah. and you know how Kirby Smart loves secondary guys. He loves DBs and. For him to snag Traveris Robinson, who was his position coach, and come over here, it just makes too much sense. I, know yep. I saw the video that had gone viral 
uh, after the SEC championship game mm-hmm. where Kirby made, made sure he went over to Mr. Down. Yes. I would love <laughs> to have been a flower on that wall. Yes. 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 And then as soon as he finished talking to him, all you saw Traveris come up there like, all right, coach. And then dot, 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 dot. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see where uh, where Downs goes. And I would not be shocked if he's wearing red and black next year. Man, if it winds up, if they wind up getting Caleb Downs, Georgia, and, it, and it's him, and it's Malachi Starks, and it's KJ Bolden, and it's oh, these other, I mean, that's your, I mean, a lot of it's still potential, but you're talking about that, you're putting together one of the best secondaries we may have ever seen in college football. If that if that does wind up happening, I think something to keep an eye on with the Caleb Downs situation that a lot of people haven't really been talking about is Ohio State was right in the thick of the recruiting for Caleb Downs. So if he enters his name in the transfer portal, I think everybody around here, excuse me, everybody related to the Georgia program fan, anything who pays attention to that, will assume he's going to be going to Georgia, but he might go to Ohio State. He might explore a couple other options and might say, hey, I can go here and really continue to stand out. Not that he wouldn't at Georgia, but he would be the guy in that Ohio State secondary versus being just one of the guys in the Georgia secondary and who knows how important something like that is to him. And the other mm-hmm. guy, I just want to bring up his name just mm-hmm. because he was only a special teams player with Alabama last year. Uh, that's Jake Pope. So they already have yes. one player from the Alabama secondary who's come over to Georgia and it's big mm-hmm. on two fronts. Cause one, it's someone from the Alabama secondary coming over to Georgia along with mm-hmm. T Rob, but he's also a Buford high school guy. And anybody yes. who pays attention to the recruiting stuff is this whole Buford curse and the relationship and all of that type of thing where it's like, okay, maybe it's another Buford guy. Maybe this starts a pipeline again, uh, mm-hmm. but he's a guy who's going to get reps and going to get playing time next season. Yeah. Uh, who, who's a nice piece. And I think that's a great call, Brian, because we do live in a world where real talk, some of these players, that is what makes their decision. And you're shocked because you're like, but wait a minute. Georgia makes perfect sense. You got your Bears, Jarvis. You got Jake Pope. This makes perfect sense. But then when you hear from the player and the player says, hey, here's my rationale for not going in that direction, oftentimes it's because they're looking at, am I going to be a big fish in a small pond or am I going to be a small fish in a big pond or even a big fish in a big pond? It Sometimes those are the decisions that ultimately, or those are the considerations that ultimately make that person's decision. Or so. the bag. The bag t- uh, counts too to you. <laughs> Yeah, it's the bag. What the, how big well, is the bag? What, uh, what do you think the bag is? <laughs> what what the that bag is? <laughs> size and bag no, size. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. Well, we can't wait to see what happens. You guys know we'll be watching each and every move of any players or coaches that come around or are headed to Athens. And of course, we'll tell you guys about it and we'll weigh in and react. And on the other side, you know, we talk a lot about this football team, but hey, a lot of success going on in another space in Athens. We'll talk to you about it on the other side. All right, guys. So think about FanDuel, right? Think about the fact that it's been a cray-cray, cray-cray wild card weekend already. Yeah, the regular season is wrapped up, but it seems like things are still heating up in the NFL. And that is every reason for you to get on board and get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets. Win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, finding bets in the new Explorer tab, making a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays. So think about it. 
live same game parlays, finding bets in the new Explorer tab, making a parlay in the hub, and it's user-friendly. Sounds like a win-win, win-win-win to me. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Again, that's fanduel.com slash locked on to make your first bet a layup with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, guys. So who got next? For me, my next is Mike White. And my next is these Georgia Bulldogs and what they're able to do on the hardwood. I loved the hire when they got him last year and they got a couple of viable players out of the portal. They also had a pretty good recruiting year. And I can remember at the beginning of the season, I kind of like flinched a little because I was like, ooh, Georgia Tech has Damon Stoudemire. So, you know, they're about to return to prominence. And I kind of thought, okay, Mike White, let's see. Maybe this will be a growing pains type of year. But Brian, it was anything but. And granted, they did take an L to Tennessee, but Tennessee's number five in the nation at that time. So you got to think about that being a powerhouse basketball team that's always in the mix. And Georgia hung with them. Georgia had the lead on them for a little while, then ultimately fell to them. But before that, 10 wins in a row. That's something to talk about. Of course, they're back on the road tonight to take on South Carolina. But you can't say enough about what these dogs have been able to do, this men's basketball team on the hardwood. Yeah, to put in perspective what Mike White's done up to this point in his first uh, couple of seasons here with the dogs, yes, I yes. haven't gone out of my way to like clear the schedule, make sure I'm sitting down, watching a game since this Saturday, since Anthony Edwards was playing a couple years ago. And even before that, it was probably a couple years before that. So it's like Indeed. he's really making everybody pay attention to what's going on. I'm researching names beforehand. I'm looking it up. I'm checking out everything that's going on. And then it was, it was a great game and a back and forth. They got down double digits. They went back up double digits. Yeah. And I think one of the things that really stuck out to me is yes, they ultimately lost. There's no moral victories for this team. They've played well enough up to this point where he even said after the game, it's not like a, Oh, this is going to be a good thing. We hung with Tennessee. Right. I think those days are over and that idea and that mindset is over. And that's been such a, Big thing for Georgia basketball for such a long time. Oh, if we can hang around with them, if we can just kind of compete. And it's like, no, go out and win. And I think they've got the ability and the experience uh, to do so. And they showed a good bit of that on Saturday against Tennessee. They definitely did. And Jarvis, what I liked about them as well, like you said, Brian, they went right back to the lab. It was literally like, yeah, we lost. But they started talking about the moments in that game when they did an exit execute they didn't you know hang their hats on well like you said brian that yeah we were able to get them up for double digit lead nope they started talking about the fundamentals and started talking about just some missed opportunities there and really kind of already had their mind set on what they were going to do in south carolina tonight and you got to love that because to your point brian and jarvis i think that that's a mindset that before mike white we we really we really didn't hear. We really didn't see from, from that program. I'll tell you one thing. You saw that from Georgia's women's basketball team in the last couple of years before they lost their coach to Texas A&M. And they had the mindset that got them into the tournament. But yeah, it's, it seems like it's a new day for this men's team. Yeah. And that's the, that's the beauty of it. Right. Because, you know, last night when, and going back to what BG, the point that BG made, just start talking about Anthony Edwards because that's yeah. what all we heard. I mean, of course, Tom Crean. Yeah, he right. has, his name rings a lot yeah. in, the, in the college right. basketball Marquette world. Marquette days. And, yeah, yeah, Marquette days with Dwayne Most Wade, Coach Dwayne but, yeah. Wade and all that yep. stuff. But I think once Mike White was hired, it was like you didn't hear about the – you heard about some guys being snagged, but it was mostly because of 
we've heard the good things because of what he's able to do as a coach and what exactly. and the culture he's going to be able to establish. And that's yes. what this Georgia basketball program needed. They needed it badly. And I think that once you're able to, because once you're able to establish a culture of winning, the recruits going to come. Yeah, <laughs> they, you know, they're going to come because we've we've seen how a- SEC basketball can matter. We've seen that, you know, come up, they come up in the last five or six years. So, you know, it's not necessarily, hey, it's OK being a, just a football school or just a basketball school solely. But now everybody understands there are enough guys out there. If you're able to establish a winning culture, especially in the SEC, mm-hmm. and given all the bags being passed around <laughs> in, in IL money. Yeah, yeah, you can get it. You can get it done. You can make it yeah. happen. So it's just really it's really cool to see what Mike White has been able to do. And I wasn't necessarily a fan of the hire. I'll be totally honest yeah. um, at the time. But when you see what he's been able to do in just his second year, mm-hmm. 10 game winning streak is a 10 game winning streak. Yes. <laughs> Especially when you're in SEC play and we're talking about how the conference has gotten so much better from a basketball standpoint. Yeah, this is this is something to keep an eye on because Mike White. He has established something, and now watch. I promise you, you're going to start seeing those those big boy recruits come in too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you talked about this, Jarvis, in the previous segment, how this is a bastion Georgia is of recruitment for football. And we always say as well, Brian, that people, oh, they really overlook all of the basketball talent here. There, there's a lot. I mean, if you looked up and down uh, WNBA rosters in particular, but even NBA rosters as well, you're going to see some players that are really doing some things. And it would be great because Georgia Tech, yes. Georgia State, absolutely. Even Kennesaw State, you can talk That's about those schools having a pipeline from this Atlanta metro area and then Georgia as a whole. But the way I see it, Brian, if Mike White continues to go and and is able to play deep into the SEC tournament, dare he win the tournament, and then gets into that NCAA tournament, I think you finally will start to see some of this homegrown talent stay local for basketball just like they do football. Yeah, and this fan base is starving for it. People in Athens, I mean, yes, football is king, but (laughs) they want it so bad in basketball. And even so, I mean, it was a good atmosphere there on Saturday, and kudos to the athletic department. They actually moved around the student section and got them in a lower area to where it's actually affecting them. And they're playing really well at Stegman because they've only had a handful of losses in the Mike White era at Mm -hmm. Stegman. And I think the next step is to see what they can do on the road. You mentioned the game against South Carolina tonight. They got Kentucky coming up here in the next couple of days. And and a a win at one of those places too is going to help their tournament chances. Um, And then the other thing too, to the point of recruits, you got Newell coming in next year. So they have one or two names that are, are, are starting to come and they're, They seem like they're right on the cusp of it. And it's just sitting right there and it's been waiting. But this Athens and the Georgia fan base and everything will explode if they actually make it to the dance and make a run. Uh, It's it's a sleeping giant in in that uh, realm for sure. Yeah. And the poor people on the flesh, they're like, dang it. You trump us in football. Basketball was ours. We got Damon Stoudemire. Now you're about to take our shine in that area. Got to take it. Got to take it away. Got to need gotta it. Take, right. You want everything. Like, we can't have anything over here in the flats, man, I tell you. But it's good to see because, as you know, uh, as I don't know if you guys know this because it's the Atlanta football party, but you're also looking at three basketball heads, three people who absolutely love the game of basketball. So it's exciting for us to see that Georgia is making a run on the men's basketball side. And, and 
low key, they're going to rebuild that women's basketball program, I feel like, as well. And we'll be having some conversation about them soon enough. Listen, we appreciate you guys, as always, stopping by this Atlanta football party and letting us talk about all things Georgia because, hey, the program's down in Athens are just that good. Of course, this is your best program to catch up on any Georgia Bulldogs talk, but especially football talk. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. And don't forget to come back for the Atlanta Sports Party on Thursday. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.